hello, welcome to episode nine of the One Life Church podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but also things that we think could relate to you and your one and only life. And today, um, Brett and I get to hang out with some of our favorite people, or at least some of mine. I can't speak for Brett. Yeah, I, I would go with that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I'm excited though. Yeah. So we have our lead <laughs> pastor, Brett Nicholson here. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I know, He's you, here. You, you do that. And then I know. I never know what to say. I never tell you how I'm going to introduce I people. Know. It's kind of fun. Um, I don't really plan Usually much. I'm we're last. just going to talk. I know. I've been trying to make you first. Like, you know, Ooh. you're you're that really one of well. the hosts of this <laughs> yeah. podcast. Um, and then to my left, we have Austin Maxheimer. Hey. Austin. <laughs> and then um, and I'll let Austin introduce himself here in a minute. But then at the opposite of the table, we have Zach Below, And Zach is um, a campus pastor for One Life Church at our West Campus. Yep. Right. That. Yes. <laughs> um, but we're lively. You are. But also, I think it's important to know that you guys have been friends for a long time. Yeah, Zach was actually the first person I met in Evansville in sixth grade. Uh, oh, wow. His family uh, took us, our family out when we were visiting to Don Mattingly's restaurant. If you remember Ooh. that, Jim? Hey, I do remember yeah. that. I hate to see that go. <laughs> sixth grade? Really? Sixth that grade. far back? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then, so Austin, can you kind of give us a little bit of background of you know you as with One Life Church, but also kind of what you're doing right now? Yeah. So. Uh, we moved back, or I moved back. I was from Evansville, graduated from Wrights, you know, Westsider, Wrights football, the whole thing. And then I was gone for a decade. And we moved back to start a house church network, and we didn't know what that really even meant. We just finished seminary, and we moved back, and we were wanting to minister to our unchurched friends in this context in Evansville. And we quickly got connected to um, One Life Church and Trey McLean and the and the kind of the joining of Discovery Church and One Life to plant on the west side of Evansville. And we were just so excited about the potential of that, especially seeing small groups like uh, get mobilized into the community. And so in my, in our leadership here through that, we kind of asked that question of what would it look like for a small group ministry to be shaped around mission instead of like small groups have always been great about community and bringing people together. But what would it look like if that wasn't the end of the story of small groups? And so uh, kind of challenged them to get out into the community, own the mission of God. And so part of that has been going into neighborhoods from the very beginning of One Life uh, in the East End and Jacobsville. And so I got passionate about this idea of uh, going into under-resourced neighborhoods and uh, helping uh, the neighbors there and uh, seeing them not as people of need, but people of infinite worth and value and empowering them to be change in their neighborhoods and really saw that as being a, a great expression of the gospel. And so it was through that work of, our, of, of my leadership at, at One Life that kind of like sent me into neighborhoods. And now I get the opportunity to do that full time through Community One. Awesome. And someday there's going to be this velvet rope that uh, says Austin once worked here and we gave him, you know, helped give him his launch, you know, to go in the little museum thing. It's going to be cool. And then Zach, can you kind of give us a little bit of kind of what your role looks like at One Life? Yeah, I had uh, some some parallels to Austin there. We were gone, me and my wife were gone for 10, about 10 years too, uh, while she was finishing up grad school and everything. And uh and I was in Nashville doing music, um, but then came back and I was working for a uh, uh, local gym and uh, Austin recruited me back into ministry. I, w- I was in ministry before uh, moving back home, but I wanted to just be a part of one life. So I, I wasn't looking to just take any pastor job, you know, um, and so I just made the decision that I was going to volunteer at one life and uh, and just and work in the in, in the normal uh, work world. And then an opportunity came up in Next Gen, and so I did that for a few years, and 
now I am a, a campus pastor at West. And so that's kind of helping lead that campus and uh, just love on the people there. I grew up on the West Side and, and love it. So it's a great place to be. His wife was prom queen. Oh, really? Right. I Talking was not. True. You were not. <laughs> I got beat. You were the king. I got so. beat. Yeah. Are you, like, you still like, remember that lost. moment? Like when it got announced and it wasn't. Yeah, you? I think I had a pretty fake like, oh yeah, clap, smile, fake smile, like yeah, yeah, mm, good, you deserve to win, buddy. You know that kind of thing. Really, I'm still harboring lots of resentment. Wait till yeah, I yeah, see apparently. them. Apparently, yeah, year it's coming up here. Yeah. Fifteen year reunions coming up. That's twenty, there. buddy. Oh, is it? World. That's right. Oh man. Is it twenty? Yeah, twenty. Oh dear, you wow. are old. Oh dear. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, we start a new series on Sunday called Shadows, and the tagline is Jesus Before the Manger. And Brett, can you kind of give us a little bit of like background and, and just overall um, about the series? Yeah, the the basic idea is to le- it is leading up to Christmas, and uh, the, we've done different lead-ups to Christmas, but this one is my favorite. We actually, it, it was kind of a team thing at our retreat last year that we were talking about, uh, what are we going to do? And some, I don't even remember how the subject came up, but we thought about what if we did what the Bible itself does and how it leads up to Jesus. And, uh, it's not only prophecies that we're used to hearing, like, uh, words that Isaiah spoke, but when you look into the old Testament and what we went over yesterday in our service was Luke 24, Jesus takes the disciples, two of the disciples after his resurrection, he takes them back and it, and, and it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he showed them everything that was written about him. And so this, there's this idea that the old Testament in the end with all of its interesting stories and uh, kind of confusing things, it's painting a picture of who he is. So what we're going to do is going to go back and give samples of those. Uh, I wish we would give a lot more than we will be, uh, but we're going to go back and look at the pictures of who Jesus is and how it predicted it. So Awesome. And we thought that, you know, to kind of start off the first podcast of this, Austin and Zach are perfect for this because they both have um, a lot of background kind of studying the Bible in different ways. And I know Austin is working on a doctoral program that's not specifically like studying the Bible, but I know that's part of it. What's your program again? Uh, it's a doctorate of ministry in activating missional communities. Oh, so wow. it's a mouthful. That is, is there an acronym for that? Nah. Yeah. It's cool. They have those <laughs> yeah. though. I mean, it's like they invented it for you. They, yeah, I know. When I saw that and like a couple of my heroes are visiting professors for that course, Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost, you know, and from the books that they've written and, I was like, oh, so you you apply and they give you a scholarship. And by the end of it, you're just like, this was made for me. <laughs> it was. I know it, man. And then Zach kind of going through a master's program right now. And I know, yeah. again, kind of just looking at the Bible in, in different ways and finding ways to kind of learn more and find, I don't know, more into the words. I asked him something earlier and he's like, let me look at the context of that. Like that was his first reaction. So kind of like, what's your kind of role well, and background on that? Well, my, the master's that I'm working on is a uh, master's in philosophy and apologetics. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been really cool because it's uh, it's not a, really a targeted program to where they are pushing some particular view on you. So they do, in, in light of all these major subjects, uh, offer a lot of different interpreta- possibilities of interpretation. And so um, those same kind of things lend themselves to, to, as I'm reading scripture, going through the same sort of exercises, I guess. 
Yeah, and on the series, what I what I didn't say, which is very important to me, is that we there's an underlying goal uh, that I have through it, not only for people to see the Bible is presenting Jesus, but also that it will raise people's interest and engagement levels in the Bible. Because I know it's a struggle. I mean, I, I think uh, it's one of those things. If uh, it, most people can relate to, maybe you got all you know pumped up in, in January, of the you know the beginning of the year, and you're going to read through the Bible in a year or whatever, and then you make it through Genesis because it stays pretty interesting. A lot of great stories there. Exodus has some really interesting stuff, fun to read. But then you start getting bogged down when it gets really, really detailed about the about the building of the tabernacle. And then you get to Leviticus and most people just kind of pitch it at that point and give up. And it just is interpreted as this weird thing that I've got to get through. And so we wanted to have them on also uh, to just talk about how do you engage with the Bible? What helped you to get past that uh, that roadblock that most people have? And I've, I know I did, and I'm pretty sure you guys did. You're, yeah, because when you're reading you're almost glad they do stop a little bit is because then you get to Joshua and Judges and you're like, oh, well, there's some weird stuff. Yeah, yeah, it gets even weirder. It's like you got past all the strange, boring details and then yeah. you're like, oh, gosh, I wish I could go back. It's a good point. So a few things there. So I, I guess I would ask you guys, like, as you've, uh, we'll come back to that, you know, how did you get there to begin with? But I would like to ask, just as we talk about the pictures of Jesus in the, in the Old Testament, are there ones that stand out to you that you've ever had that you were like, that really that really connects with me or I find that really intriguing or interesting or any of that, that, that uh, whether a teacher brought it to your attention or you read for yourself or I know Austin did is, uh, was it your master's thesis on Hebrews? Was that what it was? Yeah, the book of Hebrews, the yeah. Hebrews use of the Old Testament. Well, there you go. See, yeah. that's the other reason he's here, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. That's, that's good. So uh, what would you find during that study? I mean, what, what, well, what, I, what I found through, through that study was, was something that you hit on yesterday. Uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, it talks a lot about Jesus fulfilled this prophecy or fulfilled this writing or fulfilled this saying. And that word fulfilled, it, it, it's a very uh, image, very clear image for what would have been uh, what would have been put in the mind of the original hearer of, of a like a vase or a water urn being filled, so pouring into it. And so if you could imagine it being filled up and then filled up to overflowing. So th that's the imagery of it's just overflowing. And so one of the things that really clicked into my mind for, for, for when Jesus was um, thinking of that concept of Jesus filling up the Old Testament, that was one of the light bulb moments for me is that he was not just that this story is an archetype of, of Jesus to come, which is they certainly are, but that he fills up every word, every uh, letter, every second, every moment, every thought of the Old Testament. And that allowed me to see it as a fulfillment of God's story to overflowing. And that, that was one of the things that was helpful for me. Dude, you can, that, that'll preach right there. That's, I know you're going to think I, you're going to think I'm lying. Okay. That hit no, the not. editing room floor for me. I was going to do, I was going to bring a, a, a container up there and, and use that word image. Well, now, I didn't still need to. Yeah. I still need to. You're right. Well, but I was going to pour something out and say it's filled and it's a physical so it's image. The same, interestingly enough, it's the same word uh, that uses for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So when we think of Jesus filling up the Old Testament, it's the same word image that they use for uh, the Holy Spirit filling us now, up. Now that part I didn't know. But, uh, 
So, but, but in the overflowing part, I probably wouldn't get to do that. So I'm glad I got here. It'll be a better image. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna That's going to be awesome. I can't it wait is. for you to I know, do that, Brett. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I did. I was going to do it in this one. And I said, I don't know. I'll leave that part out and get to my other. And you can point people back to the book. podcast. They want more information. They can listen to us and talk about it too on the podcast. Exactly. There That's true. What about you, Zach? Was there, is there an image or just an Old Testament moment that kind of helped you? Uh, turn some light yeah, on. I do have a favorite story of of the of like a shadow of Jesus, but it's I think Matt is going to preach on it, so I don't want to steal his thunder. <laughs> uh, but it's it's the story of the bronze serpent and yeah. uh, in Numbers and Jesus talking to Nicodemus and John, um, and it, there's a, just a really cool correlation between those two stories. And so I guess you got to hang around uh, for when Matt preaches for that. But um, but just in general, reading the Old Testament, uh, what more for some reason the prophecy thing never really pushed me one way or the other but but seeing in the old testament uh through all these you know historical some of them even militant books just this ongoing and reoccurring thing theme of Jesus or of God being a saving God like over and over and over it just it seems so clear that he was po- pointing to the ultimate savior kind of thing. You know what I mean? That, that, you know, a lot of people would argue that, Oh, God is a different God in the old Testament than the new Testament. But when I, the more I read it, the more I just see that this is a saving God from the start. Yeah. And how, I guess uh, for either one of you, how do we reconcile that? I mean, you just fleshed out a little bit of that, but that's been an ongoing debate for, one two thousand years, mm-hmm. and one of the earliest heresies was a guy who said the Old Testament God really is different and yeah. mean or whatever else. And I and I, I understand why people see that. So how do you overcome that uh, that hurdle? You know, because there are some things back there you're like, whoa, that's pretty hardcore. And you know, as people die and uh, the earth opens up and they fall in, and uh, you know, yeah, I'd be I look forward to hearing you guys answer that problem. Well, yeah, man, that's that's. Uh, so I'll just say, just for me, for pers- personally, uh, one of the things that was most helpful for me was uh, a book by Peter Enns. It's called Incarnation and Inspiration. And uh, it, it, the subtitle is, I think, even the Evangelical Problem of the Old Testament. So I, th- I, th- oh, really? I, I think okay. that's well, the that, subtitle. Yes. Uh, but what he does is he equates, uh, he calls it the incarnational analogy. So Jesus was fully God and fully man. And our minds can't hardly wrap around that. Like we want Jesus to be 100% God over here in this moment and then 100% man in this moment or 50-50. But right. the idea that he's 100% at both times, that's, it's a paradox to our human minds. And he uses that analogy for scripture. And why that was helpful for me was thinking that God inspired scripture to a particular people in a particular time and a particular place because uh, it was fully man. It was written by human beings. And, and that was part of the journey is if, if he would have revealed himself in a 21st century, century mindset to a to a four fourth century BC mind, it wouldn't have made any sense. And it wouldn't have been an act of love because he wouldn't have been revealed from that. They wouldn't have understood any of that. So he was speaking to them in a way that was loving by speaking to them through their times and their culture and their context. And so that's not, maybe not necessarily a fully satisfying answer, but it was something that definitely helped me in my journey. Any follow-ups with that? you um, you agree or disagree? You can say. <laughs> no, no, I, <laughs> thumbs yeah, up, thumbs I agree. Down. I agree with that. And I, I have heard a lot of, um, I guess, like in, in intellectual gymnastics on trying to be able to uh, 
to um, just apologize for us. You know what I mean? Like to, to, to back them, to, to give, give reasons why that was. And, you know, everything from the majority of the stories, you know, the, the Israel is, uh, is being attacked or going to be attacked. And so they had to, and it's a war in culture, all those things. Uh, but again, just over and above that, I, I think it is working out of the, the, their worldview, their kind of what's going on with them. And, just a recurring theme of, of God being a saving God and, and protecting uh, and protecting his people. Um, and you, and, you, and I think sometimes simplistically is one of the ways I answer it is when you look at the new Testament, it's not like, okay, God got nice. I think there's a, there, Oh, you know, he was, he, he seemed to be mean and cantankerous back in the old Testament and he's nice now because you can find places in the old Testament that are beautiful and redemptive yeah, and you read the Psalms and there's, uh, there's these wonderful redemptive things and he is extraordinarily patient. And then when you, you can get in the new Testament and Jesus is not just Mr. Nice guy walking around. He says things that are very severe at times. I mean, the, the, you know, that I, one of my most for me, one of the most intriguing passages is when he, it says Jesus began to condemn the, the places where most of his miracles took place, and, and he announces judgment on them and all that sort of stuff. So it's, there's that severity, I think, of the Romans passage. It says you consider both this, uh, the kindness and severity of God, and they're present in both. But I know it is a struggle for people to kind of uh, go through all those things. Sarah, do you have a favorite story back in there anywhere? No, everything I feel like I'm going to say is not going to feel to the level it should be. Of everything it was a favorite story. It didn't um, have to be. No, I mean, I just feel. Um, from a book. No, I don't have a favorite story, but I, I did read last week. I was doing um, um, one of the um, resources that we provided this week um, for our app, uh, the One Life Church app or at onelifechurch.org. There's a little resources tab. We have four different resources, and I was going through um it was a reading plan on the version Bible app and it was talking, it was kind of reading old Testament and new Testament. It was reading the story of, of the walls of Jericho. And I had never read it this way, or at least listened to it this way in the sense of where like, there's such specifics about it of like what he tells them to do. And it just like started clicking with me like that. There's never a point where there, the God didn't have like a purpose or a plan or exactly the way it should happen. And it kind of clicked into more, even like thinking of that idea of that Jesus was always that specific plan and purpose that there's always like specifics, like do it this time and walk around, you know, one time and then seven times. And it was like, it's very specific. If see, yeah, you absolutely, you, but you, um, uh, <laughs> Now, when I go back and I want to, let's say I, I'm, I'm looking for, Jesus said, here, here's what's written back there. Mm-hmm. How do you see that with, um, without becoming purely subjective or allegorical? And, and because I could go back there and look at the snake on the pole and say, well, the snake represents this and the pole represents that. And so how do you walk that balance? Because I've heard some people who do those things like the typologies and all that to be accused of allegorizing. Is that in your notes at all? Okay. all right. They both have notes, and I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm I hoping I can ask something that gets to the notes, notes. itself. Uh, uh, maybe you found that in your Hebrew study. I mean, yeah, had to be there a little bit. Well, I don't know if we should get into what I found in my Hebrew study. No, no, oh. this, this, I, we found that uh, Paul used the Old, Old Testament um, probably different than we should uh, because he had a different, you know, purpose and mission about what he was doing and launching the early church. And there's establishing some things uh, that he had the authority to do that was maybe unique in that time in history. But um, I will like with with that example, I, I think I loved I love talking about tithing, especially now that I'm not on church staff anymore. <laughs> so uh, but as an example of that, I think uh, so. 
I think the the key is to fully enter their story first, like enter fully into the, the story that's there, and the, especially the the story of God's people in the Old Testament. And that, in the idea of tithing, it would have been something if we're fully enter, entering into their story first. It would have been something very different than what we experience when we talk about tithing today. They would have been agricultural, so their tithe would have been literal plants. You know, it would have been their harvest or their livestock, and they would have brought it to the temple. And when they uh, killed the animal or burnt uh, the offering up, it would it would have their hands would have been doing it, so it would have been like fully participatory. And then they would have uh, probably remembered back to uh, the um, planting of the seed and the watering and the caring for the crop and then the work with the harvest. And they probably would have brought back memories of hanging out with their friends while they did all this work. And it, w- it was so rich of an experience for them that when they gave the offering, they were participating fully in it and remembering back, oh, sorry, remembering back to this rich life uh, that they were now giving over to God is reorienting everything that they did and had been towards God. Not only that, but the actual land that they were working themselves was given to them, promised to them by God through no work that they did of their own. So even that reminded them of the God who saved. Sounds and so a little the, bit like grace. Yeah, yeah, like a little bit like <laughs> grace. And then and then they would have participated in it, like uh, in the in the they would have ate the animal that they had just offered up in community. Some of it would have went to the priests, but uh, most of it they would have shared in a fellowship meal and a celebration. They would have participated fully in this offering before God. And so when you think about the entering in first to their story, like there is a subjective element of that, but then there's this objective element of reordering your life to God uh, of that we need to do that too. And so we need to think about our context and taking these principles and applying them. And that becomes for next, now we move to our story. So it's like their story, God's story, now our story. And what does it mean for us now? And we, as our job as church leaders to think through that and help people step fully into that. But then the beauty of it, sorry, and then you can throw something at me because I'm talking (laughs) too long. The beauty of that is that Jesus fulfills all of that. He fulfills all that. He didn't give 10%. He gave all of his life. And he was the offering as he even offered it. And so you see this beautiful thing of Jesus fulfilled the tithe. And so when we uh, participate in tithing, we're participating in the life of Jesus even. And so we, and that, it's even a discipleship moment in that sense as well. I can't wait to be service leader next time. <laughs> that's right. You, you can, can play, play See, I clip. can talk Start about tithing that so out. you guys <laughs> don't have to. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm just glad at the end it seemed like I should. You know, yeah. So, <laughs> so you're talking about when you, uh, the, uh, just to help clarify, the like levels of interpretation of first reading it through the, the, eye, the eyes of the uh, original audience and, and then the before the meta narrative of God, the, the total the whole story of God, and then moving to the personal application of that. Yeah, I think that gets rid of the subjective view because then you're 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 going to Scripture with that eye instead of what we typically do is we start with our story. What does this mean for yeah, me? Right. How can I change my life now? And that is subjective. And so then you go to it first, realizing it was rolled out. Uh, to a particular time, and that's what I mean by their story. Uh, these were people that lived Old Testament 4,000 years ago, ancient Near East, Hebrew culture, Jewish culture, mm-hmm. and they, they had a story, and you need to enter into that fully uh, to, to fully understand that. But then to see how Jesus 
fulfilled it. I mean, it makes it more beautiful when you fully enter their story to see how he fulfilled it as opposed to immediately jumping to the subjective view of, of ourselves. Yeah. 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 And I think for for me, understanding that learning that is one of the things that helped me want to engage in the Bible more because I feel like I grew up, I mean, my perception of it is, was very much a subjective sort of, how's this going to affect me in my life? That was the first, the, the first approach to scripture was what's this saying to me right now? Um, as opposed to, uh, what's it saying then? What's it mean for the whole story of God before it ever means something for me? Was there something that got you to that? Did you hear someone preach on that or did you <laughs> read it somewhere? I mean, it, it just, I would like to say thing? that it was before college, but it might've been, it might've been in just like a biblical interpretation class because I think my, if I feel like my experience before that was, uh, as a kid, Bible Bowl, which is like memorizing tons of verses. Uh, we did, we did uh, memory a thons. You're oh, just wow. reading all these things, and and you're seeing, at best, you're seeing um, just a bunch of different little uh, edifying stories in in the Bible, but not this overarching picture, and not this whole idea that these were real people uh, really being pastored to, really experienced Jesus, all, uh, you know, in the old Testament, really going through all this and, and getting revelation from God. And so I guess reading it without that agenda of my own, what it means for me really helped open it up for me more. And it made you want to kind of it seek did. it out. When Austin, did, what was, it was no there agenda. a moment that, or a season that kind of kicked you from, I'm not really interested in this at all to, Hey, I'd really like to check it out deeper. Yes, absolutely. And it was a woman. As always, as always. Okay. Speaking of interpretations, go for it, everybody. Just, it was a woman. It's always wow. a woman. It's, it's always a woman, <laughs> right? That's, that's, the, that's the idea. So, uh, yeah, I had spent about six years completely outside of any sort of active faith at all and got, had finally gotten to the point where I was, I, I didn't see Christianity as intellectually viable and, and wanted nothing to do with it. And uh, it was my wife, uh, who, at that, who at, my, at that time was my fiance, and she was very strong in the Christian faith. And so I started, uh, we had about the first 18 months of our marriage, I, I was still very far from God and uh, was not uh, trying to engage scripture. I, wasn't, I didn't have a morning time where I was loving the Old Testament and look, seeing how Jesus fulfilled up every moment of every passage. That wasn't what it was. Okay. If anything, I was reading the Bible only to try to disprove her that she shouldn't be so serious about her face so we could go out partying. Uh, but, but Appreciate it, your yeah, yeah. So it, it, that's like the first thing is realizing that it's a, it is a journey. And, and, and so like part of it is the work you put in is the reward you receive out. Oftentimes, the more time you spend in scripture, the more time you spend seeking after the Lord, the more that he reveals himself to you. And that's a weird thing because, uh, it's, it, there is like a discipline in that, uh, that you just have to do. And so I remember really, really early on, I was just reading a book cause I didn't even want to read the actual Bible. I was reading a book called the life of Christ, which was like a harmony of the four gospels. And I, I remember having this thought of, uh, I, I, I don't want to believe this, but if I'm going to live with someone who does, I better at least understand. And so I can show her, maybe where it doesn't fit or that she shouldn't take it so seriously or something. And through that process and then other books and 
things like other books that were helping supplement that reading of the text, like uh, C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity, and uh, Nancy Piercy's Total Truth, and books like that. Uh, I was I was all of a sudden like, wow! Uh, I I want to seek God more. I want to learn more about God. I want to I want to give my life to Jesus, and is just a strange reason to for that text to be able to do that to me. <laughs> Yeah, well, that, that is a little bit different journey. So, and, and when you finally did give your life to Jesus, at that, I mean, was it before that that the Bible even became the Bible itself became a little bit more intriguing? Or oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was looking yeah. at the life of Jesus. I mean, I, that's one of the really interesting things about people that are even naysayers to the Christian faith now. People that really are, are reading the life of Jesus, they're still interested or, or naysaying against the Christian faith. Right. They're still really interested in Jesus. I mean, that has just been a testament. I remember a few years back, we were at the Future of the Church Summit. It was a panel of millennials that had left church. Uh, Every single one of them said they were still interested in Jesus. Uh, So there's this intrigue and attraction uh, to the person uh, of Jesus that has stood really the test of time and stood the negative witness, unfortunately, of of Christians in the uh, world. Yeah, (laughs) the the church itself. What's interesting to me as pastoring West, the thing that I've seen people engaged in scripture most in is one doing it in community, but it, it is from Jesus Dojo, which, which Austin sort of spearheaded and the practice of, yeah, Sarah's, Sarah's uh, what do you call a dojoer, uh, <laughs> where, where it is just looking at the life of Jesus and, uh, and stopping at every interaction he has with people and, and see what he's pouring in, what he's expecting out. And people really have, I've just seen people, come alive to engaging in scripture that they haven't done in a lot of years. A lot of them are longtime Christians. A lot of them are new Christians or seeking, but a lot of them are longtime Christians who have sort of just put the Bible aside and they're picking it back up and really engaging I, in it. And I, I, for sure, I mean, and I, I don't want to not mention your book as Ooh. well. Um, and, and as you said that, like I, it kind of clicked with me, like there's been seasons of my life where I really enjoyed reading the Bible. And there's been seasons in my life where I feel like it's something I have to do. And I think, um, I was kind of in one of those seasons where I needed, I don't know, just something to show me the beauty in it again. Um, which is sad to say, but it's honest. And, um, when I started doing Jojo, like in the, in the way that I was reading, it, it really helped me kind of get the thing you guys were saying before, like being in that moment and being more inside their story and not so much inside mine. Um, and I think it's, it, it's still something that like it's, I can do anytime and look at it and read, um, how Jesus interacted with people, how they responded and like what he expected of them. And, um, the more I do it, the more things that I write down, the more things I notice. And, um, I've said this, I think either last week or the week before we talked about the Psalms and they kind of blended together where I was reading like emotion in the Bible and then seeing Jesus's emotions that he pours into people like that changes drastically the way that I, just interact with it. Like, I don't think of it as just words that I react to, but like something that actually was said and something I can respond to. And so, um, your book mover and maker. Yeah. People can buy that on Amazon. They can. Yeah. Um, and 99 cents. Really? Oh, is it really? (laughs) It's as low as I can make it without being free. Well, not the paperback. That's the Kindle edition. Oh yeah. $6 for that. Yeah. Yeah. I just ordered one and, uh, I was going to give one away. If people want to email in podcast at onelifechurch.org, I was going to give a mover and maker away. You told me you're going to do that. So now I'm also going to give you from Cash community. So, uh, 
you can actually have the full Zach Bilo and Austin Maxheimer <laughs> canon. The whole collection. Uh, a giveaway. You can have. Look at that. Uh, it's got cows on it. It does. It's cows got cows on it. So you can give, you can give both of those away uh, oh, if man. you'd like. All right, but we're, we're but we're sitting with the legit authors though. That we we should have mentioned <laughs> that at the top. People would have maybe paid better attention to them. Yeah, but well, but mover and maker, just uh, yeah, briefly, can yeah. you just give a overview, kind of what that book is? Yes, I can. <laughs> uh, uh, so the that book actually has is the is the first part of that. So uh, uh, we're we're all about honesty here, right? So so the shift that we tried to do with, uh, with our small groups that I mentioned earlier at the, the start of this uh, podcast, uh, trying to shape our groups around mission, uh, honestly, it didn't go that well, and uh, it didn't do it didn't do the best of what we had hoped. And <laughs> so I got on the other side of that, and I was just doing some reflection. You know, I kind of did the whole "woe was me" lamenting to God, and why do you do such things, and why didn't it work when it, uh, I thought it was your <laughs> leading and all that. And uh, after wallowing in self pity. For for about a month, I was like, no, okay, we got to figure this out. And so one of the things that I really thought about was this whole idea of discipleship, um, this discipleship deficit. A lot of people were talking about this idea of a discipleship deficit. And I realized through that, that maybe, maybe part of the reason why our, our shift to getting our groups on mission with Jesus was maybe that they weren't actually spending time with Jesus. They, they, they didn't know him intimately. So why would you go on mission with Jesus if you didn't know who Jesus was? And so I went on this journey myself of, of going back and what I, what I called sitting at the feet of Jesus uh, and just learning from him and his text and, and opening up the gospels. And I came up with this exercise. I call it Jesus exercise because I'm not very creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's anytime anyone was following Jesus, not just disciples, but anyone was following Jesus, I would just stop and I would ask of the text, what did Jesus pour into that interaction or experience? What did he expect out of it? And then what was their response? And then I would just journal. And uh, so I did that for six months through all four gospels. And I ended up filling up a notebook uh, of notes. And uh, I was sitting on that and I was like, you know what, Zach helped me. We wrote this other one together. Maybe he would like to help do that too, since I just got about, you know, 200 pages of loose notes on this, uh, what we learned at the feet of Jesus. And so he helped me frame some ideas and he wasn't able to help co-write it at that time of life, but uh, definitely helped together. And that's just like the outflow of what I learned during that time. And so it did not get picked up by publishers. So it's just self-published on Amazon. So and you can have it for 99 cents. <laughs> 99 cents. <laughs> for 99 cents. That's all right. But, so, it, but it was this idea of, of approaching the text in a new and fresh way uh, that really made the scripture scriptures come alive again. Yeah. Things that I'd, stories I'd read a hundred, uh, many, many, many times. And I, and I used that with students a few times and they loved it because we'd fill up like a whole whiteboard or a giant post-it note of information that they came up with. Like they were teaching each other and it's, it's a beautiful way to, to kind of study the Bible. But I think it's important too, Brett, like we didn't ask you, like, is there any, is there a time where you kind of felt like, um, I don't know, it became something alive for you or something more oh, than I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> ask anybody else but I think it's important to ask you too I'm sure there was back there somewhere yeah. I don't know what it is uh, wow I, I, I should have thought of it um, and it's not leaping to my mind right now I, I, uh, I think it was just the if if I do look back I, I 
it was the process of feeling free to read it the way uh, I read out loud. I do. I have to. I for some reason, I, not all my books I can read silently. I am capable of that. But uh, I, when I was in college, I did go to college for the Bible, and I just started reading it out loud and taking my time. And I think it was the removing it from what I thought it was to what I was seeing for myself and start, and maybe some of that was just growing to be an adult. I'm starting to think for myself. I'd always heard it preach. I was taught, uh, I wasn't any good at the memory stuff. I remember I heard all the stories, but just stopping and, and just reading through and, and taking time to really watch what was happening there and, and feeling free to wonder about it, interact with it a little bit more. And I think over that, it, it, it grew because I love the details. I'm, I'm just, and I'm intrigued by the human stories. That's why in the sermon yesterday, I asked the question of why did Jesus do a Bible study with these guys after his resurrection? Uh, to me, that was the most interesting question. I don't know if it was to anybody else, but I put myself in their place and just that, that whole, and even in Jesus place, go, why did he do that? Why did he do a Bible study as opposed to just kind of saying, Hey, I'm resurrected. And I'm going to tell you about that for two hours. Cause I'm sure there's plenty of material there. Uh, why did he do that? So yeah, I actually me, loved your answer to that, to that. That. Oh, did you really? I, yeah, yeah. For real? I did. It, because it, it, you notice how I said actually. actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Dang. And you notice how I got excited about that. Really? It actually happened. Yeah, this yeah, one I get that. No, I, get no, that. I just, I, had, I, I hadn't, I guess, considered the question and um, the whole idea of it, it, if he wouldn't have gone back, the, the whole thing could have been different. It could have, they could have just centered everything around the event with no historical background. Uh, but but the fact that he he connected it to this whole heritage and uh, history of belief, it gave it roots. I mean, all all of that. Yeah, I, I, and and I and I I was as I was asking that I started down the road of just speculating on my own, but I really did try to study it out through the rest of what the New Testament says about the Old Testament, and and even though I can't prove that that's why, I I think it has a lot of merits because that's the point of the entire story is that he's trying to pull together like that fulfillment thing, mm -hmm. like this is everything you, when you were eating the special food, when you were doing these sacrifices, when you were living life, it all comes together. Yeah. And I think they had, I think they had a worldview change. I don't think it was like, wow, you are alive. Check it out. That's kind of neat. Yeah. It was, uh, and we're going to go tell everybody now, which is how it gets presented every now and then. So it helped me. Hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. It may have complicated things a little too. The first about hundred years of the church, you know, they're sort of trying to, de to determine whether they are some form of Jewish Jewish sect or right. something differently at the beginning, you know, Jews right. are persecuted along with Christians because they're not sure the separation between the two. Yeah. And, and uh, how the two interplay. And yeah, that's a whole so other podcast. There was an identity they had to, was, to find yeah. uh, out of that. Yeah. But what do we keep doing? But it was worth, we about it, was yeah. worth it uh, to, to have all that history with it. Yeah. Mm. Man, um, we're kind of running out of time, but I do have a question to kind of close out. I actually have two questions. The first one, Ooh. when you two hang out, like you just sit around and talk about this stuff or do you do other things too? I'm curious. Like I've been around you guys before, like in like Super Bowl parties and stuff. But do we talk about it at Super Bowl parties? I don't think so. <laughs> but I'm just curious. I got like, in a fight that. with my brother. <laughs> I was hiding at a Super Bowl party. That was the most crazy stuff you brought out a while ago. Did you at a Super Bowl? Did you get? Did you say that stuff at a Super Bowl party? Uh, yeah. I was thinking about Ted. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Him and I got into it, and I went upstairs, and yeah. then a few minutes later. Matt came upstairs. Everyone left the room slowly as they were fighting about tithing. It's a good time. I, I will say, in, in a in an overly spiritual answer to that question, 
uh, Matt and Zach and I have known each other for a very, very long time, and we've been close and and really brothers. We went to college together, you know, and uh, <laughs> there has definitely been a substantive change in the content of our conversations. <laughs> uh, I will say that uh, for okay. sure. Now we still goof around, still have fun. I mean, anyone who knows Matt knows that you can't not have fun around right. Matt. So, mm-hmm. uh, but, but there is, um, we do talk about Jesus. We talk about the Bible. We talk about apologetics. We talk about our friends that, uh, how we can contextualize our faith to their lives to, to help, uh, reveal Jesus to them in, in all sorts of ways. And we, we absolutely, uh, do that on a regular basis, which is just weird. Uh, But I think it also, ours is a very informal community, but it is a, a a major thing to remember as you are engaging in the Bible that, it just makes the experience a whole lot better to do it in community hmm. because I wouldn't make the same there would be there without Austin, Matt and some others, there's questions I'd be afraid to ask or uh, not be able to answer. Um, just bouncing this, this things off and hearing from other people, all of that just helps enrich um, the experience of engaging with the Bible so much more. And it's not, you're, you're not just like floundering around in the dark by yourself. You know, you're actually getting to, yeah, I love that. When, and when the relationships are healthy, you can ask things that you fear that you might not you shouldn't ask or something yeah. like, like that. Am I a heretic are, if I say this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Here's what I was thinking. But you guys promise not to condemn me uh, if if I do that. And if you have that, that's that's a blast. I mean, there's a lot of freedom there and a lot of enriching there. Yeah, and so I mean, one of the things that we are doing through the series, we're asking everyone to to engage with the Bible. And I know for some people that's um, kind of a new thing. And so we put together four resources on the One Life app. If you download the One Life app, the first one just says read, just um, click on that. And it gives you four really, really great resources. And they kind of um, interact with people in different ways. If you'd rather watch something, you can watch Bible Project videos. Um, If you like um, kind of a pre-made devotional, something that you're going to get a reminder from your phone every day, there's opportunities for that as well. And then um, we have our own One Life daily Bible readings from our own Dan Sullivan, who's actually going to be hanging out with us on the podcast next next week, uh, which would be pretty exciting to hear from him. But yeah, and or you go to onelifechurch.org and there's a resources tab. Um, It has those as well. But we want to give you guys an opportunity to do that. And as as we close out, I do have a question that came in through email today, um, and I'll give you a little bit of context. My mom called me and asked me a question, and I didn't know how to answer it, so I told her to email the podcast so I could ask you guys. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's, she listens that. to the podcast, okay? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's, um, I'll just ask it, and whoever wants to chime in, um, it says, uh, and this is not like a, Brett, what's your favorite color kind of question. It's a little bit different. Thank okay. You. All right. Good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is your favorite color? It's a... <laughs> Got him. You think I'd be ready? <laughs> Got him. All right, let's do let's see this long. Uh, yeah. Um, what does it mean in the scripture when it says, "When Christ returns, the dead in Christ shall rise first? Are they not already in heaven?" And she's referencing First Thessalonians four sixteen and seventeen. Wow. Maybe we yeah. should wait till next week. We can. And, 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 uh, no, we, we, I, I have thoughts about that because there's a couple things important. I want, I want to invite these two to kind of flesh things out a little bit. Uh, one, I would say uh, that 
I think it's absolutely clear that Paul, when he was writing, he viewed himself, if his life ended, he said, I'm going to be with the Lord. I, I desire to depart and be with Christ, to depart. And it does talk about how, uh, you know, the, as the body is dead without the spirit, that you know, your, your body dies when your spirit leaves. And so your spirit is present with the Lord. But there is a future hope. And uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, which I believe ought to be required, almost memorizing for every Christian, uh, it talks about the resurrection. And we are looking forward to, even if you have gone away to be with Christ, you're looking for the physical resurrection uh, that is going to be patterned after Jesus. And when we read the story yesterday, he ate fish. He said, I'm not a ghost. He was clear about that. And what's cool about 1 Corinthians 15 is that's going to be us. Believers are going to have that very thing. We're going to have resurrection bodies. And so we're waiting on that. And those who are what we call in heaven, they are in disembodied, but with the Lord is how, how I view it. I mean, if I left anything out or if I, uh, you guys can chime in as long as it's not a heresy, like we were talking <laughs> a while ago. No, I just, I wouldn't, uh, I think I approach it a little differently, um, in the sense that I first go to, because I don't know the answer. I don't think I draw any hard lines one way or the other on that, but I, I, I go to the, the situation that church is experiencing first um, so that, so that's out of um, First Thessalonians, right? And yep. and so Paul is pastoring this church, and um, they're living in a time when a lot of them are are thinking that uh, that Jesus is going to come back before they die, and it's getting later and later. Uh, they're getting older, or some of them have already some of them have passed away, and they're asking questions um, about uh, about what's going to happen to their loved ones and things like that. And so. Um, well, I don't know the answer. I go there first, and I and I just uh, it, that helps me frame the whole thing a little bit too. Of of just this is where they were. This is what they're experiencing. This is why they're asking that question. And and at the end of it, the 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 thing I know out of it is that kind of God's got it. Jesus is still in control. Kind of thing. So all I know is you just did what you said you did. Uh, like we were talking about a while ago, right? Go go to the passage. Live. Yeah. In the yeah. Thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Yada, yada. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, way to go. Yeah, well, we yeah, appreciate so, your integrity. Yeah, so <laughs> if it, it can't, I, I can't reconcile what it means to me exactly, but I can look at it uh, from their point of view at least and say this is what was happening, and they're being reassured uh, that that God has not forgot them. Everyone's looking at me. There you go. Well, it's it. your turn. You can say out. amen. Well, I'm going to answer it in the most annoying way possible by not answering it. So <laughs> how about that? So I, I would say, because I don't really have any, you know, uh, great revelation to add to what they've what they've done, but I would just encourage your mom and other people uh, to do two things. One, Zach already covered, uh, seek out that dialogue in community see other people around her. I know you said that this got surfaced in a Bible study. Yep. Don't don't be afraid to give the assignment for people to go seek, explore commentaries. Uh, there's so many great resources online. Uh, the Bible Project, my goodness. I mean, the, I'm sure they address that question. Uh, seek these, seek experts. Uh, we've never lived in a, a time when resources are so readily at hand, and yet we're so lost in our understanding of the Bible, which is something we should really reflect on. And I think some of that is the loss of community and and dialoguing with our brothers and sisters in Christ on what this means in a way where you are allowed to seek and ask questions uh, without feeling like you're doing something wrong by asking a, a really 
thoughtful question like she just did. But then the second one is to also approach scripture. And this has been my biggest personal growth over the last 18 months is I've started adding something to my morning uh, Bible, uh, morning time in the Bible is I just do a simple five second prayer. I just say, Lord, please reveal to me this morning what you would, what you would have me know and help me to know you more through this. And so it's, it's the idea that God's word is his word, that he wants to speak to us through his word and that it's living and that, that it's a dynamic thing, that his Holy Spirit is actually in us. Mm-hmm. And it's like believing those things is that he will lead us to truth. And so, and so just encouraging her to continue to seek, even if it takes many, 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 many times of reading, offering up that prayer uh, beforehand and seeking that uh, as, she, as she engages with scripture. It's good. Three really good responses. I think my mom will be happy. So I appreciate that, guys. <laughs> Man, that, that, that is the goal. Yeah. That holy, the Holy Spirit's uh, interaction with your reading of Scripture would be another great podcast. Mm. Uh, yes, discussion. it would. That's right. Let's do it. Then we really get into the heresies. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you guys both for joining us today. It really is um, a joy to kind of get all three of you sitting down. And um, I can't not say thank you to all three of you for being able to learn with you and from you for Uh, my whole time at One Life, so I appreciate it. And it's fun to continue doing that. So um, thank you guys for joining us on the podcast again. uh, We'd love, honestly, to hear what's that point for you where you kind of either started really engaging with the Bible in a new way. Email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org. We'd love to hear those stories and read some of them um, next week on the podcast as we're joined by Dan Sullivan. Anything else to add for this Sunday, Brett? Oh, for this Sunday. Yeah. Uh, well, we are going to actually go into the Old Testament. <laughs> I, I I promised that this past week, and we will be get back in Genesis 22. We were going to look at the uh, one of the most intriguing stories and even disturbing in some people's minds, the sacrifice of Isaac, uh, or God requesting of Abraham that he sacrificed Isaac, and the picture that is of Christ. And so and your son's uh, I promise name is Isaac. Be, uh, my son's name is Isaac. That's right. And so there's layers and layers and layers of meaning and all that. So that's right. So that's what's coming. I, I do. I think it It'll, it'll, it's a it's a softball when it comes to seeing Christ in the Old Testament. It's a pretty easy one to see, but there's details in there that are pretty fascinating. Awesome. Can't wait for it. See you guys next week. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Church Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Inman. The One Life Church Podcast is produced by me and Thomas Bernardin. Music by Ben Brock and Micah Robertson. To find out more about One Life Church, you can visit onelifechurch.org. Or to contact us directly at the podcast, just email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.